Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the wonderful podcast that you are currently listening to. What's our name? The Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk about independent comics. And with me today is Richard. Hey. And also with me, nobody. <laughs> it's just Richard and I. Uh, lots of things came up, and uh, our other co-hosts uh, can't make it at the last minute, but we send us we send them our best, but here we are mm-hmm. once again, part three of Boys Night, I guess, maybe, like if we're counting it, but yeah. All right, well, um, we have kind of a late recording tonight, and uh, we have a few things to go over, so we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm actually going to do the uh, DIY corner. Actually, no, no DIY, DIY corner. Sorry, my, I misspoke there, but I'm going to do the spotlight first. Um and then uh, Rich will go after me, and then we'll talk about the main subject, um, as always. Cool. So, all right, first book I have is actually the first five issues of Friday by Ed Brubaker, Marcus Martin, and Monsa Vincente from Panel Syndicate. To uh, quote Robert Smith from The Cure, Friday, I'm in love. I do like this comic book a lot. I don't think he was talking about the comic, but I am here. <laughs> so... <laughs> This book is about uh, Friday Fitzhugh is returning to the small town of Kings Hill, where she grew up, where on her first, and she's on her first winter break from college. When growing up, Friday had become kind of a local celebrity, teaming up with a boy her age um, that's also a very apt detective named Lancelot Jones, and they've been solving mysteries around town all their lives, essentially. Uh, all uh, like Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, that kind of style of, uh, you know, kid detective stories. Uh, however, there was an, an awkward kiss uh, right before uh, Friday left um, to go to college and left both of them wondering what the relationship truly is. Friday is not really too uh, enthused to uh, pick up where she left off in the town, obviously, like what's going on with Lancelot. But Lancelot and the sheriff pick her up from the train station because there's a mystery to be solved just like normal. So they go out to a forest because there's someone out missing in the woods. Um, that's when things start getting kind of strange where Friday sees like a mysterious glowing woman in the woods. And then later um, they find another kid about their age uh, that they know from school. Uh, he's falling from the mouth and he's, and he has a knife and he's trying to stab people. <laughs> so uh, totally out of his mind. Um, so that um, is basically part of a bigger mystery. We uh, we we find out that well, that kid is actually like the son of one of the the richest people in Kings Hill, and that there's not not everyone's too excited about uh, these two mystery solvers running around trying to figure out what the mysteries of Kings Hill are, and uh, that becomes especially evident when fr- um, when Friday and Lancelot's secret hideout. Uh, where they do all their sleuthing, goes up in flames with Lancelot still inside. Not good. Um, now it's up to a heart-wrenched Friday to follow the clues and solve the mystery of the town, as well as the murder of her friend, um, which is pretty, was pretty harrowing. And like, I know it's a, I gave a little bit away from the series, but there's definitely a lot more. So might be a little bit of a spoiler there, but trust me, there's a lot more to read. <laughs> A lot more going on here. It's Brubaker. And so, you know, you can expect more. Um, so uh, it's a very much a, a take on the Nancy Drew and Hardy Boy, Boy style mysteries. Uh, 
but this time it shows like the real danger of like kids running around trying to save, you know, trying to solve mysteries. It's not this is not your Scooby Snacks, you know. This is uh, this is kind of a, a real real thing going on here. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, art's awesome. Um, there's the there's a supernatural twist to the book. The art really lends to that supernatural feel that we're getting at this moment in the books. Um, issue number one through four were the first story arc. Issue number five, which just came out maybe like two weeks ago, was the um, the first uh, issue of the first, of the second story arc. So and uh, supposedly there's more books coming out pretty soon. If you're not familiar with Panel Syndicate. It's the uh, website panelsyndicate.com. You go there. Uh, you there's a bunch of books by a bunch of great art, writers and artists. Uh, BKV is there. Red Rubicker obviously is there. Um, you know, Alexi DeCampi is there. So I mean, like, there's a lot of good good stories by good people. Um, I've talked about Umami. That was also off a of panel syndicate a few wow a long time ago actually, one of our first episodes. Uh, and um, you can basically pay what you want for these comics like whatever mm-hmm. you feel that is worth it that's how much you pay so um it's like yeah you can read it for free if you want to or you can read it for how much ever you feel like you want to pay for it um so that'll lead me to my next book here i only have two this week um, oh but yeah drop those nice people 10 bucks yeah <laughs> if you're reading and, their book and that's what I, I usually do is i kind of think of like how much either a graphic novel or a single issue is and I kind of up it by a couple bucks, you know, so like maybe like six bucks for a single issue and like I, I like, think I brought Friday. I think the only ones I bought are Friday and uh Private Eye. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, Private Eye. That's the Brian K. Vaughn one, isn't it? I maybe. It's I, been I think, it's been quite some time. Yeah, I have I've heard really good things about that. I have not picked that one up myself. Uh but I have uh, you know, let me go ahead and go to one more book where unfortunately it's not on panel syndicate so you do have to uh, pay what they want you to pay um, but it is on comicsology so you can get digitally if you can find it we'll get we'll get into that in a little bit actually uh, but that is the girl and the glim by india swift with uh, michael doug and his son atsmane el howl i think i said it right mm-hmm. oh you're usually the only one on the podcast that can say it right I'm so happy. <laughs> Hassan, if you're listening, I love you. Your name is hard, but that's awesome. You're a good writer or a good uh, letterer. I'm glad that I get to read your name a lot on our podcast. Yeah, so, no, no. He's like yep. a, a mainstay of the podcast. He does the lettering for so many of these good indie books. <laughs> so, someone said he actually is doing the lettering of their main subject. So I get to say his name again in <laughs> just yes. a few minutes here. Uh, so we got, um, so Girl in the Glim, uh, Brigitte. I, it, it's Bridget with two T's and an E at the end. That's Brigitte, right? I'm I guessing. believe so. Yeah. So she's moved uh, into town with her mom and dad, and she started a new school. Um, and she does, obviously doesn't know anyone at this place. To make things worse, uh, she becomes the focal point of the local bully, constantly torments her, and like just kind of makes everyone not on her side, you know, and makes her feel even more alone. And on her way from school, um, she comes across a giant shadowy bear monster that transforms into heaps of eel black spider-like globby loopy creatures. And, and so at the last second, she is saved by this little being that looks like those spider creatures, but instead is full of light instead of being complete darkness. Um, 
So through pantomime, uh, the Bing, which uh, Brigitte names Glim, tells her that it and the other monsters are aliens from another world that are looking, and those the latter, the evil monsters, are looking to conquer the world. So what's worse about this is that Brigitte seems to be the only person in the world that can see Glim and those aliens. So it's up to her to uh, solve this problem of invasion. So um, an extremely large one, an extremely large one seems to be feeding off negative energy of one of her classmates. So Brigitte has to, you know, stand up and fight this evil off. And uh, it makes her kind of look silly because no one else can see the monster, but she is able to do so. But um, not too much for her uh, popularity, unfortunately. What's awesome about this book is it's a graphic novel. It's like 120 pages. And I was kind of like getting towards the end. I'm like, oh my God, I hope there's more of this book. And like, it totally leaves on a, on a cliffhanger. So I'm assuming there will be more coming for, coming soon. So it is a it is a trade paperback or graphic novel, but yes, we get more coming soon, even though it doesn't, nice. say, it's, even though it doesn't say it's volume one, but, but read it. It'll make it more possible for it to come out. Um, it's definitely a good analogy for school um, and trying to belong, you know, obviously. And art, it, the art is great. Um, it's, it's a fun style of art. I love the little monsters. That's uh, kind of the best part of it. So um, the, um, and there's only one more volume. Um, or at least there might be more volume. So I'm hoping that happens very much, very soon. So Richard, what is your, uh, your spotlight? Oh, my spotlight this week is uh, 8 Billion Genies, number one. It's uh, by Charles Soule and uh, Ryan Brown. So uh, the premise is that we open up at the, uh, in St. Clair Shores, Michigan, at the uh, Lampwick Bar and Grill. And it's tomorrow, which that's an interesting detail at the beginning of a story. <laughs> mm-hmm. But basically, this is a little hole in the wall uh, bar. A young boy named Robbie comes and the bartender, you know, is asking what he wants for his birthday, asking if he wants a beer, and the kid's like, I'm 12, but basically his father is a uh, bar fly at this bar, and he's trying to get his dad, who's like literally passed out on the bar drunk, home, home, you know, get him home for the evening. At the same time, there's a uh, there's a band setting up for their uh, get a set at the bar, and they're like, yeah, this, they're unfamiliar with the bar, they realize that it's a hole in the wall, but they're like, gig's a gig, we'll get some free beers, Let's let's do it. Um, another detail as this is happening, a Chinese couple comes into the bar while, uh, Robbie is at X to man the bar area while the, uh, the, uh, bartender and the, uh, proprietor of the facility, he goes downstairs to find an extension cord for the band. They only speak Chinese, like they are speaking Mandarin from China and the bartender comes up and he speaks perfect Chinese with them. <laughs> Interesting awesome. enough, but what happens is that they are at the wrong bar. Um, two of the bandmates, Alex and Daisy, uh, Alex asks Daisy to come outside so they could talk. And basically Alex asks her out on a date more or less. And Daisy's kind of shocked. And what we find out is Daisy is uh, more into the uh, third band member, Brian. At the same time, we're seeing a child being born. And as soon as the child is born, it seems to be somewhere in France because the the doctors and the family seems to be speaking French. As soon as the child is born, everybody on the planet gets their own personal genie. 
that grants them one wish, hence eight billion genies. So everyone's freaking out. <laughs> everyone's not sure what the hell to do, but basically genies are like, here's the parameters. Everybody gets a wish from us. You get one wish, then we're out. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the people in the bar, they're like a little bit trepidatious, but then it says that we have a, a line from, from the book or like a splash page. It says the first eight seconds, and it shows a human population of 8 mil billion, a genie population of 8 billion. The bartender makes a wish, really pragmatic wish, I'd imagine. He says, I wish that no wish made outside this bar could affect this bar or anyone or anything inside this bar. His genie says, boom, done deal. After the, the next splash page, the first eight minutes after everybody gets a genie, there is 7,999,000,000 people and 7,998,000,000 genies on the planet Earth. Also, the planet Earth's a cube now instead of a, uh, yeah. <laughs> instead of a globe. <laughs> so what we were able to take from that is, one, a lot of people made some wishes. Two, a lot of people made some rash wishes. And three, by that population degrees, a lot of people got retribution against their enemies. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people just disagree. Is that a carrier? It's a carry. Yes, that happens. Surprise. While, while you were talking, uh, yeah. surprise, Carrie is with us for the rest of the episode. Burr, 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 burr. That's burr. what we do when uh, <laughs> something exciting happens. Oh, thank you. Awesome, man. awesome. I, Sorry, I, I, had, I had a, a genie. I wish that Carrie would be here with us on the podcast. There you no. go. <laughs> okay, I, I, have, I have the question that everybody asks, but like, oh, yeah. what? Yeah. Um, go. We'll let you continue. We'll let you continue. Yes. Okay, so. Basically, we fast. Uh, we we check back with the two bandmates, Alex and Daisy, who are outside the bar, and this is when we find out that uh, Daisy is really into Brian, and she wishes Brian would fall in love with her. And her genie says, it, "Got it." But he and then they walk the bar. In, mm -hmm. Walk into the bar. Brian's already not that into her. She's like, "What gives?" And it's no. The the, the wish was that no no nothing nothing affects what happens inside the bar. So we see uh, the young man, Robbie, finally get his dad up. He's like, dad, weird shit's happening. Everyone has a genie. I, I, I need a dad right now. His dad's, you know, trying to sober up. He's kind of belligerent at the bar a little bit, you know, because he's drunk and, they, you know, they're trying to sober him up. But then his dad's like, F it, I'm going outside. He storms out and the world is insane. There's a scaxle outside. There's dinosaurs. There's a, someone wished to be giant. There's rocket cars. And basically, <laughs> someone was driving around with a monster truck with nothing but gold and rubies in the uh, in the back of the, uh, the, the 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 cab. And basically, what we're learning is that some people are using their wishes selfishly. Some people are wishing, you know, using their wishes to help other people. And if everybody gets one wish and every wish is legitimate, you're going to have issues. Yeah. Uh, we see one, and we're just seeing a flash pages to all these different people. I guess one person was having a uh, argument with their first parents and wished that they would both burn in hell, and they are just ash at the dinner table. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, one I little think... boy wished to be big. <laughs> well, well, he wished to be a particular soccer star, but it yeah. made him big. So you know, I feel like that's a proper callback. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely, and um... and basically, everyone. The only safe haven on the planet seems to be this bar 
while the world is going out of the control with superheroes, bad uh, giant robots, dragons, and castle in the sky. End of issue one. And this is going to be an eight-issue run. This seems fun as hell and a damn good uh, concept. I don't know what uh, Ryan Brown and uh, Charles Soul how they came up with this, but I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like Twilight Zone on crack. It is... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, here, here, we're going to give you an eight-issue uh, eight uh, Twilight Zone episode. I'm, I'm totally here for it. I... I, I did I did read this too, and I'm so glad you brought this up because this was like one of my favorite books I read in the last few weeks. And um, they are um, what I like. What I like about it also is that they make that mention how the what whatever is behind the wish also kind of makes makes the wish the way it's going to be. So. So you kind of have yes. to almost have like a clear mind when you make your wish because you're probably right, right. gonna get a monkey paw wish and really right, 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 right. Up. Yeah, you're you're not only what you wish for, but your intentions behind the wish also affect the wish. Yeah, and I love the genies. They're like little like electric little monsters. Like, yeah. You know, yes. Yeah, they're like little emojis essentially that are just floating around, and they kind of look like each one looks like the uh, the person that they're assigned to. So I think that's kind of cool. This is insane. Yeah, I I pulled it up for Carrie to, to take a look at. Yeah, I'm like scrolling through it right now. But yeah, it's yeah, um, no, no. I just um, yeah, I, I picked it up when whatever week it came out. I just picked it up. And it's just been sitting in you know my my pile. And I was just like, oh, this seems like a fun little prompt. And I I was just blown away by this book. Like I really really had fun with it. Enjoyed it. What the yeah. fuck? Someone has is riding a T Rex. The T Rex is eating people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how you're getting uh, that that, that uh, human population decrease as, as yeah. the uh, genies yeah. are disappearing. Yep. Um. Okay. So I have the stereotypical question: yeah. What would be a wish that you guys would make? Oof. And I'm not saying it's the wish. I'm just saying a wish. You know what I mean? I I am such a child of like the Twilight Zone and like the monkey paw stories. I am. I think I'd be like that one guy. Who who basically would have you'd be like the last person on earth with their genie, having no idea what they're gonna talk, what they're gonna wish for besides getting rid of that cough. There you go. Yeah. Um. So in uh the manga Naruto, Mm -hmm. one of the main bad guys that they face towards the end, uh, he has like fifty different names because he's incognito. But uh, let's just call him the Masked Man. That doesn't spoil anything. But his power set is that he can teleport and he can make himself intangible. Ooh. And he could also make different parts of his body intangible. So, like, you go to punch him in the gut, you'll go right through him. But he can make his fist solid and punch you in the face. So I felt if you had that skill set and invisibility, you're damn near indestructible basically yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go anywhere and you can make sure you, that no one touches you or no one sees you so this is like if you're like oh give me one wish let's get that those three skill sets all put together and i can make that work <laughs> that would be cool that that actually does, that does sound really cool <laughs> how about you carrie i wish that i would have enough money to live a very comfortable lifestyle but not so much money that I blow it all on five, you know, houses here in California and a bunch of cars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just like just enough to be super comfortable, 
but not like insanely rich. Oh no no no! If you could make wishes, though, you you have to be evil rich, Carrie. Like you you, you gotta you gotta like go. Oh full, really? Full I evil. wish I, then I'll, I'll be straight up honest. I wish I could kill people and get away with it. Oh wow! Oh wow! There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll carry out here smiting your enemies. There we are. Yes. I I would. I mean, really, if if you're gonna talk about like evil wishing, that's the wish you would want. <laughs> it's just to manipulate mm-hmm. and get away with stuff. Yeah. Aren't you glad I made it in time for the episode? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't um, I bring so much? Um, I would probably have to honestly write, try to write this out and try to figure out every single possible, like, you know, bad thing that could happen. But I would try to basically figure out a way to make, like, all good intentions that help people be able to happen the way that they're intended, you know, I mean, in a way for, for everybody or, you know, a million dollars, no, a million dollars. And you have like only a million. Yeah. That's not enough. I feel like we could set a million on fire very quickly, sir. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. True. With these gas prices. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Well, actually, my wish would be that Comixology would come back to, <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> I'm also glad that you brought up Eight Billion Genies because it reminded me. So, I yeah, I'm not I'm not roiling the waters by complaining about Comixology. Like everyone has a problem. I've discovered a new problem. What they're doing, another way to kind of just get you out of your money faster. Um, on the new comics this week list. They're putting books that are not coming out until like two or three weeks or even a month away on the list. And basically, and it just says like, you know, buy with one buy. And so like 8 Billion Genies 2 came up on this week's list. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was coming out this week. So I bought it. And then it goes, it'll appear in your, it'll appear in your comicsology in two weeks when it comes out. And it's like, Really? Like I just, I mean, I, I mean, I'm gonna buy the book anyways. I know in two weeks, but it's like, thanks, like for making yeah. me pre-buy this book. Like, what if you were really super budgeted? Yeah, exactly. That's um, if this is your issue, I, I, I don't buy on Comicsology very often. I mostly use it for Unlimited. However, I don't know if that's a Comicsology issue or maybe that was an uh, an advertising issue because at the end of this chapter or this for issue one, it says that issue two was supposed to come out today. So I don't oh. know if it was supposed to come out today and then it got pushed back maybe two weeks. Got- like, <laughs> I'm not, I, I hate being in the camp of caping up for faceless but, corporation, but then, I don't know if it's if it's a specific 8 billion genies problem because it does say it is the last pan, uh, page advertises issue two for June 15th. With that being said, Comixology, if you'd like to sponsor our podcast, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I would like to welcome our evil lizard overlords. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Uh, no, the uh, no, but no, I noticed out a couple other books, but I think maybe that's what it is, and that makes it even more evil if you think about it. If the book is delayed, and people go, "Oh yeah, April and Genies number two is coming out today," and I see it on my list, I'm going to pick it up, and it's like, "Oh, it's not available for next two weeks." Like, oops. You know, like no, 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 definitely, yeah. especially in these times where people are budgeting in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love comics. Comics are legitimately expensive. Yes. Like, 
this used to be the cheapest of the hobbies. Like when, uh-huh. when video games were X amount of money, you know, comic books were a buck fifty or something. And now it's like, no, no, four bucks a pop. If you're you're buying a few books as I do, yeah, you will run a you will run a sizable tab each week. Mm-hmm. This is the largest gate of entry um, for any any kind of hobby, essentially. Like if you get to read comic books weekly, you're spending more money than like if you're like into movies or if you're into like oh, absolutely. collecting yeah. cards. Yeah. Or, yeah. This is this is definitely the highest. No, no, cost. whenever I explain to people that new comics drop every week, it's always a jaw-dropping experience. Cause I like, you know, someone mm-hmm. asks, Oh, how many books do you have in your collection? And I tell them the number and it's absurd. And mm-hmm. then, um, and they're like, how? And I was just like, they come out every Wednesday. Like, every Wednesday? I was like, yeah, like, not every book comes out every Wednesday, but, like, on the first Wednesday of each month, Amazing Spider-Man comes out, or Superman, yeah. or, you know, whatever the schedule is. And I'm like, yeah, so when you're doing that, you will run up a tab very quickly. Yeah, because then you have about five books each week that yeah. are different, but and, then, yeah. And I'm assuming that for people who read comic books weekly and who buy them, weekly you are to me the way i equate it you're probably spending the amount of two new paperback books every week right which right. is a shit ton of money yeah you know like, like that's, if you buy if you buy let's say conservatively if you buy three marvel books three dc books and let's say three indie books that's nine books at four bucks a pop like yeah yeah that's real money that's or if you get like me, like seven to ten indie books, and then you're also subscribing to Marvel and DC and uh, comics. Oh, right, right. It, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's still. I mean, though that's slightly less expensive, but absolutely, it runs up a price. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Wow. In fact, I uh, I have a couple of monthly subscriptions, and I was like, oh, I'm getting into summer, and you know, and like my job is stopping because I work for the school district, and I'm like, oh well. I'm going to pause on my monthly subscriptions until there you September go. because it's okay. one way that I could like save some cash. But if we had these genie wishes. Oh man. Yep. Exactly. Well, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. Do I smite all the people that have uh, fucked over my family or do I, cause it's not even to smite my own enemies. This is just like all loyalty based shit. Or do I like wish for enough money to take care of my family in the long run? Because honestly, killing someone for my mother or getting her money would make her would make her happy either way. It's a win-win for her. I just don't know what to give her. <laughs> in, in, in a GD scenario, I do feel like the wish for money, um, that's like a monkey's parse thing because yeah. it only like we, you know how like we're in an inflation cycle right now so like yeah. i feel like it only ends with that oh the, there's more money out there mm-hmm. your money's now devalued so like if you want that you i think you have to wish for like more egalitarian society that like money's no longer an issue and we just treat people fairer so yeah if we're not all wealthy at the very least we're all comfortable I, like i feel like that's the only way around that monkey yeah. spa because I if agree. you just wish for the money i feel like all of a sudden they're like and your money's devalued and yes. you're you're Venezuela now. Like where Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your economy was all all gas and now no one's buying your gas. And yes, you're you're a billionaire, but no one wants the uh paper that you have. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You have a billion doll hairs instead of dollars. Basically. There, there you go. <laughs> so no one no one cares about your money. Um, yeah. 
Like, but it's or, a fun or, thought or, exercise. Or, or, yeah, wish, for sure. or wish, wish for billions of dollars with no inflation to the world economy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I do that. I don't know. Um, or, or like, yeah. I, if, like I said, if I got those powers, I could teleport it to anywhere, be invisible, and just take what I need, be in yeah, and out. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Definitely. I like um I like the teleportation wish. Yeah, me too, actually. One yeah, person I, in the book does do it. Yeah, too. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. That I was would, pretty cool. I, I don't know. I think I think my favorite, I like if you're talking about wishing for like a superpower, like 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 just like you said, I would either say shape shifting or some kind of time manipulation that doesn't make you like age, like if you use it, you know, like to stop time to get an extra few hours of sleep every night you don't age those extra hours you know one of one of my favorite uh tribe uh time traveling segments there's a uh in the i want to say more towards the middle of the jeff johns jsa run he uses the uh villain per degaton and you know he's a time traveling super villain Mm -hmm. and so he does his whole plan to defeat the justice society and the plan blows up in his face and you know what he does to relax after he just goes into the future because he can time travel and just watches the moments where each one of his uh, Justice yes. Society enemies die. Does die. <laughs> I was just like, and I was just like, you know what? I get it. Like, like my plan failed, but like, you know what? We could go check out how this really goes down and just get some satisfaction out of that. Exactly. That's funny. Well, Shiva says faction and getting through things here. Um, well, I think it's time that we go to our main subject. Yes. So this yeah. week, this week was my choice, and um, I chose Bitter Root Volume Three. But we're just knocking shit over here. But um, <laughs> and Bitter Root Volume Three: Legacy by David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, Sanford Green, Sophie Dodgson, and Hassan Atzmain Elhow. I apologize. Woo! You got it too. If I. I feel like I fucked that up. No, I you did. I don't um, think you did. But um, so this is a fun uh, factoid about my my own personal chaotic life is that I'm shit, uh, and I procrastinate on everything. In fact, I have a five page term paper due tomorrow night, and um, Ooh. yeah, and a four page and a four page due on the next night. But anyways, so like um, I did not read because I didn't have a chance to, but it was my choice. And so um, the boys read and it was going to be boys night, but I crashed it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, I've been catering to my mother today. So that's why I was late to the show, but um, they're going Uh, to probably fairly more important than the show. Yeah, My my mom's the caretaker for my father right now. And um, we help, but she's the primary and she's been going like I basically take her out once a month and it just so happened that it needed to be today so anyways but like um uh the the boys are going to go over the plot for me it's like I am like you gentle listener and I too am going to hear about the wonderful storyline of Bitter Root Volume (laughs) well I I I don't have anything written down um but so Richard um I I, I'll uh I'll take the lead but uh if you want to jump in where I got I think, you back yeah thank you um but yeah I mean like we're on unfortunately um we kind of had to to wait till to Wednesday to record them we we release on Thursday so we're kind of the 11th hour so just bear with us and uh but um doesn't mean that we're not going to talk about a great book because 
there's a reason why Carrie chose this book. Yes. And I'm pretty sure it's because volume two was so good that we wanted to yes, get through. Volume two yeah, was volume two great. was excellent. The third volume. And uh, just really quick before we start, Richard, do you think the third volume disappointed or do you think it was was equal or even better than the last two volumes? Um, I don't think it disappointed. Uh, I think the other two volumes are slightly better, only for a reason that, like, once we go through it, uh, I think I can discuss afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I, I um, think, no, no. I think you and I that said, thing. the quality is still high as hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, let me just be be frank and rail and put it on the table here. I'll be Brian as well as being frank. Uh-huh. But um, it this after the second read of this entire series. I have to say this has got to be in my like top five of all time like series. Really, this is this is on my Mount Rushmore. Really? Oh yeah, that's awesome. Like I I love this book. Like this, that's really good. The third volume I feel was a little rushed. Uh huh. Um, and and I'm really hoping because they talk about how this is not the end and that cool. there's gonna be more books coming out. I'm really hoping that when like volume four and five and six come out mm-hmm. that they kind of go back in time again. Cause I, that's what they do in this book. Is yeah, they go back for in sure. time and they kind of explain a few things that weren't explained before. Now really quick. Don't they take breaks between issues like volumes or issues or whatever they, they do. And they took about a two or three month break on per, per uh, um, volume. Uh-huh. But then this one, they basically said it's the, the break is indefinite. Like they don't know how long it's going to oh, be. And okay. this came out, I think, I think this in, came out, uh, the last issue came out last year. Okay. Yeah, it came out like the uh, the end of summer, beginning of fall last year. I can't remember yeah. exactly which month, but somewhere between August and October. Okay. Well, Saga came back, so we can always yeah. hold out hope. So, so hopefully- No, no, no. It's, it's basically, there's a, a little uh, epilogue at the end of the book, basically saying that this this part of the, like, we finished this story cool. in this era with this group of people doesn't mean yep. that the story's over oh. and hopefully we'll be back with more story but like oh. I, I if, if we're gonna say the three volumes or three acts this is the third act that they've completed this part of the story gotcha. i'm hoping they come back a little bit and explain a few things in this story though like but um, yeah but we'll get to the cliffhanger at the end of this book too okay. which which will i'm super excited about that's gonna be the next volume um okay so enough running about let's go ahead and get this started. So as we were mentioned before, um, this is the third volume of Bitterroot. If you haven't read the first two volumes, definitely recommend reading them. Um, read also, them. We did episodes on them. Yeah, check, check out the episodes. Out. Yep, they're, <laughs> they're in, a, you're, they're in the uh, podcast feed still. So definitely look up Bitterroot. Comics, comics are better. You'll find them. In fact, volume two, like I said, was like two weeks ago. So it's not that far mm-hmm. away. Um, so... We all chaos has uh, happened occurred in the uh, after volume two essentially um, the evil now walks the earth uh, the attempt by the good doctor to to bring um, um, Ad- Adro back to Barzak uh, essentially fails you find that out in the first couple pages in this book uh, well no that, he succeeds in bringing him back to uh, yeah. Barzak but. It doesn't close the rifts. It, like, yeah. we're not dealing directly with Adra anymore, but we have bigger fish to fry now. <laughs> yes, bigger trees to fry, okay. essentially. Um, so, um, essentially, um, the, the beginning of the, the first issue, 
um, or um, you're kind of getting the, you know, like the world is kind of continuing on. Um, it's now common that there's, you know, the Nzoto and, and Jindu all around. People are, are coping, dealing with it. Um, one of my favorite things ever is that Berg, um, who was affected by the Nzoto in the first uh, volume, has found love. Yay! Um, with a lady who is also affected by the Nzoto named Mariah. Um, mm -hmm. And so you find out about that in the first kind of first um, panels of the first issue. And um, just kind of you know, go on that, that story arc. You know, you see them get closer and then you see them have a kid. And oh, like, baby Burke. Yeah, and Burke's like, well, you, you get a lot ones. of uh, time jumping in yes. this okay. uh, volume where okay. they're showing you what, what's, what happened, what's happening, what's going to happen in the future, that sort of deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. But so the main parts of the story essentially is that um, everyone's kind of working. Uh, Enoch is trying, is, is working with the other elders from the other families. Um, I'm trying to figure out ways to to cure or banish all the the monsters. Um, Blink and Edda are um, are starting a dinner essentially, like and to bring everyone around, like just to, you know basically have still semblance of normality. Um, the um, Colin and um, um, Ford. Ford have have gone down south to Tennessee to to go to Johnny Ray's parents and family to tell them about Johnny Ray passing away, getting killed in the second volume. And um, so let's kind of break that down. Uh, nothing much happens at first with the whole Enoch story, but um, so we will go, actually, I think the best one to talk about first is, is Colin and Ford. So Colin is still his old soul and self, Colin Solon, right? Maybe that's why he was named Colin. And, um, or it's just a name. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> and, he's, um, and so he waits by the car because he has wants nothing to do with um, talking to Johnny Way's family while Ford goes in there to tell him what happens. Yeah, um, no, Paul, Paul, Ford definitely has like a noble sense of uh, responsibility, like, you know, to have this closure, to give this family culture, closure, uh, closure and, you know, Cullen through his experiences and he just he's just flat out racist he's like f these white people i do not care <laughs> yeah and so while he's waiting those little uh rabbit demon monsters that mm -hmm. enoch had brought into the world come out and and uh get Cullen's attention to tip brings him out into the forest where all of a sudden he's attacked by this giant tree with uh with an eye and 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 oh, mouth wow. and uh and so he's He's being attacked the by trees this tree. Look very, uh, these demon trees look very much like Mother Brain, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> they absolutely do. Um, and so they uh, they start attacking Colin. Meanwhile, Ford is in the house, and all of a sudden, the the mom of Johnny Ray gets infected by hatred and becomes a monster and starts attacking uh, Ford and the rest of the family. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the sister of Johnny Ray and Johnny Ray's dad. Um, and then Johnny Ray's mom there, and um, and the sister and dad and Ford have to basically put down um, the mom, who's who yeah. The, the, it's old school style. The the daughter hits her in the back of the head with a very old school uh, iron. Like it looks like the uh, the uh, iron from uh, the Monopoly game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <It's just> <laughs> oh, so 
um, these these two attacks are happening simultaneously. All of a sudden, um, so um, basically, they're both able to fight off everybody at the same time. Um, you find out, then uh, it kind of we have a jump where um, you find out that Colin's dad is now in on Earth. In fact, he was the maxed figure that came out at the end of volume, excuse me, at the end of volume two. Uh-huh. He's the masked figure that, um, that helped uh, turn the tide. And oh. so, what, um, so what we learn is that as it's jumping back and forth is that because time affects weirdly in uh, the Barzak, when Dr. Sylvester drags Adro back through the portal, he ends up, in the Barzak, but before he left, but before we feel that he, he, basically he ends up in the past in the Barzak. He gets there right as Cullen and, uh, and uh, what's Blink's mom's name again? Um, uh, Blink, not, not Belinda, that's Blink's real name. Um, uh, but yeah, Blink's mom um, for the time. Nora, being. Nora. Nora, thank you, yes. So yeah, basically Dr. Sylvester and uh, he ends up in the Barzak right as Cullen and Nora are leaving. So you know how Cullen left his father for dead. Mm-hmm. It's actually Dr. Sylvester that saves his father. And what they do is they do an assault on uh, what what is uh, Adro's castle. Now that it's kind of unguarded, or not completely unguarded, but Adro is there. And what they find in the castle is just like an intense library to understand everything that's gone on. But of course, it doesn't give you everything because they don't know they don't know how to. Uh, defeat these these demons but what they do find fairly quickly is the ability to get back to earth and dr sylvester basically sends charlie back to earth yes at that moment to turn the tide and he stays back to figure out how to defeat yeah he stays behind to like basically you know study in the library because now he knows that he can go back to earth at any time cool so um good, good character development right there and um, God, this whole thing is just like character development. Um, the um, so as I mentioned before, there there was a dinner to be had, a family dinner. Um, Etta has a speech during this dinner, basically saying that she kind of became the de facto leader of of the uh, the family mm-hmm. over the years, and she's not the leader type. But what they need now, especially in this time, essentially of war is a good leader slash like head like of the family and she appoints Blink. Blink. Yay! Yeah. yeah. So oh, I'm very so well deserved. We yeah that part is the part that made me weepy. That's the part that made me actually tweet out to um like Sanford Green, David F. Walker and um mm-hmm. and Chuck Brown said like oh my God what you did in issue 12 is absolutely fantastic and I love you guys so much and they're like thank you. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy for Blink. So Blink takes it like she's like happy like she's you know trepidatious. Yeah, of course. And she's like I'm not a leader. And like so she's now asked to become the leader that she actually really is. Yeah. You already know that she's the leader. She doesn't realize it herself. So she has this to frightening. Have, have that journey. Yeah. At the same time, uh, Enoch finds an answer on how to beat all these, these monsters. Oh, sweet. And he's running through the town to tell the family, but then he gets accosted by monsters and gets killed. 
No. Before we could tell. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. Enoch. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Which also strengthens Blink's resolve because, like, they had that moment in the yeah. second volume where, like, oh. Enoch was like the only one, even though Blink hated her, him because she blamed him for losing yes. her, her mother and father. Uh-huh. Um, the um, they had that moment where Enoch's like, "It's okay to hate me." Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh, so it helps cool. resolve everything. Um, but at the same time that happens, you see that Dr. Sylvester is in Barzak and he basically opens up what looks like the Necromonomicon uh-huh. for a moment. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. exactly like the Necromonomicon. <laughs> and um, and he in the, the way the shapes are on the pages, it looks like the same shapes that were on the pages that Enoch had um had found. Also, straight up, it also looks like the portal that um Uncle Stan built. And Gideon falls. It, it totally does. The triangle <laughs> with the circle. Yeah, it absolutely does. Okay, so that must be symbolism mm-hmm. for something that we don't that we're not familiar with oh. because it's it's symbolism that's been used. Probably no, definitely. If it, it feels like I almost I never know with those type of things if it's symbolism or is that everyone's referencing and doing their own interpretation of the same thing and then I just am unaware of the reference so far you know what yeah. I'm saying like, no, yeah, for sure. like oh if you're all doing your own version of something from mm-hmm. 60 years ago that you're really into and I'm just not into it yeah definitely <laughs> that, that explains why they're so similar but not you know the same the same yeah yeah absolutely you're exactly. right it's kind of like a everyone kind of has this uh common um it's common like uh, history in our like, subconscious almost. Right. Or like just like every laser sword isn't a lightsaber, but like every laser sword courts post-1977 is some sort of version of lightsaber. Yes. Like, yes. You, you were inspired by that. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. That's a good point, definitely. Um so we got those are kind of like the three stories that are going on. Enoch's obviously ends abruptly. Um we we didn't flash forward. Um, Blink is visiting the grave of Enoch a few months later after what appears to be a major battle, um, kind of like coping with everything. Um, then we flash kind of back, back earlier, seven months earlier, um, to one of the main battles where they figure out in Central Park these trees are also growing, the same tree that, that attacked oh, Colin, and that these trees, um, they're beginning to realize that, that they're kind of created by hate and by and by like violence. Mm-hmm. And so you can't fight hate and violence with hate and violence. No. And so um, that kind of comes up a little bit later. Um, pardon me for kind of jumping all around, but um, the, well, that's your fault. The book itself jumps all around. Yeah. <laughs> so we then jump towards, um, we go back to Colin and back to Ford. They've now recruited the daughter, uh, who's the only survivor of um, of, of John Yuri's family. Um, they're on their way back north. Well, let us oh. say that Johnny Ray's family seemed very remorseful until his mother turned into a genu. But like the father was just like, "That's not who he raised him to be." Like he yeah. got into a wrong crowd, Aww. and like that's what caused him, you know, to be yeah. on the wrong side of things. But um, the whole genu, like not the terminology, but people are. Like the normal populace are aware that there's demons now. Like it's, you know, a widespread enough thing. So right yeah. as Johnny Ray's mother transforms, the father's asking like, hey, like all the madness that's going on in the world right now, like is that part of what killed my son? And then, you know, his mother turns into a demon. 
and you know the the rest is uh history all the ford and the uh, sister survive very uh evil dead-esque too the way the way the, the mom turns into the demon yes it like, is i will eat your soul and, you know, like, yeah so it was just it was with cool. more uh more end bombs yeah <laughs> yes yeah I, <laughs> that is very true um okay so um they they're traveling north they come back to a town that ford and colin had just arrived you know had gone through a, a, like the day before and got breakfast there it's now in ruin oh, and shit. these mm-hmm. these trees are everywhere and in the, the trees besides having the uh, you know the stump with the eye and the mouth mm-hmm. um it seems that a lot of them have essentially bodies like lynch style hanging from their Ew, limbs gross so um, they walk into this town, they realize that every one of these t- trees has a whole bunch of bodies on them, and like there's no one in the town, except for the orphanage. There's a tree next to it, there's no bodies on it. So they're like, oh, well, what, what's going on here? And so they 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 like, maybe this is where people are still alive. Mm-hmm. So they go in there, there's just a, a slew of orphans, essentially, oh, still there, and they... Um, they kind of jump in there and they rescue the kids. Yay. This is um, Colin's redemption arc. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, because it's a bunch of orphans of every sort of uh, race, color, and creed. Yeah. And, and, Col- and with the back against the wall, Colin feels that like, oh, no, we got to save. Every- like, this is us. This is all we got. So we all have to stick together to save each other, basically. Yeah. There's a great single panel of Colin running through the the wreckage with like five kids hanging on them you know like it's it's pretty amazing and so they um are now going town to town on the way back to harlem um and they're essentially recruiting finding humans training them how to fight you know like um you know like and trying to stave off the evil as they're trying to get back to the senior family um the um so there's kind of like two fronts. Um, they finally kind of, they finally meet together um, all together. Blink has, am I missing anything? Um, Blink has. Um, well, no, when Blink was uh, talking to Enoch at Enoch's yes. uh, grave site, she gets attacked by, you know, Janu and Inzanado. And then she's uh, basically saved by Dr. Sylvester, who has just come back from the Barzak to the real world, or, yes. you know, to, to our world, rather. And he's just like, yo, like, the fight never ends, like, and I think we have something to turn the tide, basically. Yeah, and because Blink is aware that she, that he wasn't going to show back up until he had a resolution. Right, right, yeah. Ch- Uncle Charlie's basically told them about the goings-on on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Speaking about the other side, Maeda then uses a concoction to go back to go into the netherworld and talk to Ghost and talk to her her husband who had passed away Aww. to figure out what's going on. Um, I would do that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it, oh man, Edda is a badass, and she is the most fiery old lady I've ever read. I mean, like, okay, I never read Once in the Future, which is like led by a fiery old lady. This Edda puts her in the ground this she's, <laughs> she is the most like awesome <laughs> elderly lady no, yeah, she's, she's awesome. <laughs> yeah. so um so yeah um etta um 
basically it's like she's because all the ghosts are like you're not supposed to be here what are you doing and she's like shut up tell me what i need to know let me go back you know like no, let's not let's not fuck around essentially let's, let's just get this let's just you know let me go back and like they're like they're basically they're like um this isn't how it's done and she's like how it's done is failing so we're doing it my way now and give me some info so so, so we can handle this business so yeah it, it was that was pretty amazing and so um with with the uh, with the revelation that Doctor Sylvester has, um, that you can't use violence essentially to fight these things, um, and um, and then also at the same time, um, when Edda comes back, um, they're they're mixing roots, and they and one of those little bunny demons takes the root, puts it next to another plant, which creates this kind of pollen that like helps subside the evil like tree sample that they had so yes. they figure out essentially another way to fight these trees and so they um so they then go into the major battle into central park um blink has her hero moment she gives the the braveheart speech you know like you know to to everybody it's it's pretty amazing um like she's definitely now the leader that everyone believed that she could be and um she and everyone's there, you know, um, the, the, all the people that, that Ford and Colin have saved, um, Enoch, I'm oh, no, sorry, not Enoch, um, um, Berg, everyone mm-hmm. is, is there ready for battle cool. and you, they go into battle and, um, they save off the trees. Um, unfortunately the Killing um, on, on the, uh, the the first thing that they kill unfortunately leads to the death of Colin's dad. Yeah, Charlie. And Charlie. Oh, no. And so Char- he has Colin kind of has like the oh fuck I just like spent the last you know moments I could have had with him being pissed at him. So that mm. plus also um, having compassion so- for those orphans has completely changed Colin into a compassionate person. Cool. Yeah, because um, basically he, um, one of the things that, you know, because the are the Janu are, you know, are fueled by hate. Mm-hmm. So down south, people think it's worse. And then they start heading up to Harlem. You know, they have this big caravan. You know, they're like, oh, up north, it'll be better. It'll be better for Black people. There'll be, you know, less hate. There's more uh... unity. But then what you find is that when you get up north, it's it's not as bad but it's very bad it's not yeah. you know it's 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 not what you thought it would be mm-hmm. and there's still it's still ripe with demons and ripe with hate up there as well yep and did you notice when colin mourns for his dad um for for charlie that um his ears changed a little bit into like the Enzoto like yes side. yes yeah. yes no 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 he has great oh, grief yeah. and he turns he yeah. starts turning um but um so basically they kill the tree they're like okay well there's more and we now we know what we can do and how how to solve this mm-hmm. so that's essentially the end of the story <laughs> oh shit really yeah mm-hmm. um we jumped to germany oh okay. in 1939 oh shit mm-hmm. and the um the nazis are getting you know the jew the jewish people together um to into concentration camps and are about to to assassinate a bunch of them. The Nazis, of course, are in this story are transfer- transformed into like Janu. Um, and then right before they're about to assassinate a bunch of, um, of Jewish people, 
the um a, a, a group of the uh of the the sing, singer family jump out <laughs> of the woodwork and start just going to town with swords and guns and start kicking some nazi ass that's awesome so, mm-hmm. and then you and learn, the thing is is that um the kid a couple kids from the orphanage yeah have obviously been uh um adopted because now they're aged up and they're part of the fight and they oh hell yeah call them um sangres as well and I think it's uh, two of the white kids, and yeah. you're to assume that Cullen adopted them. Yay, to, Cullen! To bring you know his uh, tr- you know transformation full circle. So, so that's what like I mean. I don't care much about seeing the the final battle in New York, um, but that's the I want to see. That's the flashbacks I want to see. In you want to see more of the characters. I want to see Cullen yes. raising those kids. I want to see Blink being the the hero. You know, I, I love I love character development, and that's probably why I love this book because, like, Colin and Blink alone, their development as characters, their line is amazing. Well, no, like Cullen in particular, throughout the three volumes, he's three different characters. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like the character before he goes into the Barzak is completely character different mm-hmm. from the character yes. after he comes out. And mm-hmm. then the character as he uh, after he redeems himself is something a little bit different as well. He's I was gonna, what I was going to say as far as a critique of this because it's really phenomenal. But the only thing is that this felt as I was reading it, it felt very final season of uh, Game of Thronesy, like yeah. where those first two volumes, a lot of space for character development, a lot of space to okay. breathe, and this was very well done. But it very much felt like a sprint to the finish line. Like, hey. Oh my God, we had so much more we wanted to do, but we only got five issues to do this in. And okay. with what they had to work with, it's masterfully done. But just with the pacing of the other two volumes, this does feel a bit rushed. Which I think leads to the more time jumps because they, there are just so many stories that they want to tell. Right, and, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that they want to tell those stories, but they only have. But we, you, we, know, you just don't pages. have the space. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it is. But um, I what uh, what I do want to say. One thing I do love just as this of this work as a whole is that they do a lot of showing and don't telling. Like we still yeah. don't know exactly what those little rabbit guys are. You oh know? yeah, they're cute though. We don't know where Adro is. We <laughs> like, don't know where Adro is. We know that Adro didn't die, but we know Adro got pulled into the Barzak and kind of disappeared. So that's still an issue. We don't know exactly what the Barzak is, and they you know they hit yeah. towards it what it may be, what it, you know, how it Mm -hmm. seems to our world, but you're never like, they don't give you a lot of certainty, which I love because the book is so good that you want to exist in that world anyways. And the fact that they like give a little roadmap to your imagination with all that Mm -hmm. uncertainty makes it, you know, an even funner read. Which which I think is really part of genius storytelling because now they're giving themselves breathing space and they're giving themselves a little bit of leeway to really go in depth into a different, maybe like, portion of the book or portion of the story and then they're right. able to flush out those ideas later i think yeah. it's very smart you could either next volumes be the um you know going into nazi germany and seeing them fight nazis or you could even have like mini series that kind of flesh out the right uh, the previous you story. could do stuff in the past because that would be an yeah. interesting setting you could do stuff in the future but one of the points that i feel like was hammered home in this volume as this being an allegory for being black in 1920s America is that, oh yes, there's a lot of hate and demons down South. 
and like you know the idea is to escape up north or escape out west but what happened to those people when they got there it was better but like it wasn't what they thought it was yeah when when people from mississippi and alabama they left those areas and they went up to chicago they Mm -hmm. went to uh oakland california they went up to harlem you know they were able to find an existence and you know make a way for themselves but they still, you know, experience so much of that same racism. And the, I think that's part of what the story's trying to and yeah. Hey, yeah, that the story's trying yeah. to tell that like you can't you can't run from hate. Which is you can't fight it with hate. You do have to confront it, but you have mm-hmm. to confront it in a manner that you can change the the souls of those people that have hate in their heart. Exactly. But I, I think it's so important just from a historical perspective that that's being like showcased in this book. Because oh, I, still, I still think it's the misconception by most of American society that Northerners during that time were very accepting of Black people versus Southerners. And it just simply wasn't true. No. And it's, the, it's just really important that people know that there were racist assholes fucking everywhere. The, the North, <laughs> right, right, right. And that, you know. The North didn't have slavery because they didn't need slavery. It wasn't because they were out more, more like, you know, um, anti like or anti racist or anything like that. They yeah, were, it's just like fundamentally. Yeah, it was just a, we don't need we don't need them and we and, and honestly that it, it was like you know why why have like minorities around because we don't need them so therefore the, no slavery. Yeah, the thing is is that what Carrie was saying. There's two important things about that whole era that I think uh, people miss out on. Is that one, like, yeah, everyone was racist. Like, even the most progressive people were still pretty racist. I mean, maybe not the most progressive because there's actual abolitionists. But, like, your average citizen was still pretty racist. So even when you Mm -hmm. went up north, um, you know, you understand the racism. But also, one thing that I feel like going to school here in the United States, like, they don't really teach you this or go around it much is that they knew that it was wrong. Like, people were aware. Like, it, it's kind of like we're taught in a way that, like, oh, we had slaves and we thought, like, it was a dope thing. And then we had the Civil War. We're like, oh, actually, that wasn't dope. But the, the reality of the situation is that we were always fairly aware that, hey, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. it had to be strict negotiations when they did the Constitution of this country. Like, when they started bringing slaves, there was already free Black people that just immigrated here just like you know the white people did Mm -hmm. so it's not like they were unaware of black people they thought like these were beasts of burden it was a a decision that was made Uh and that people were totally aware that like oh this is fucked up part of the reason why the north doesn't have these slaves is because like one they didn't really need it and two like that's not a fun thing to look at that's not Mm -hmm. a you know you know what i'm saying like for, for, for these people that wanted to be aristocrats, wanted to be the leaders of the country, like, it's not dope to look out your house and just see somebody in tatters, like, working your field. Like, it's not a good feeling because you know it's not okay. Exactly. So I just always feel like people do, like, convince themselves that, like, oh, it was a different time and people didn't know better. They'll know they knew better and said, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is well, I know it's also. not, I know it's not the, um, the the north per se but in washington dc was one of the largest if not the largest slave markets um in the u.s at the time and so the slaves could actually see from their horrific cell conditions they could actually see the white house yeah after they finished building it yes yeah absolutely (laughs) it's just like it's just that's the stuff that like you know 
it wasn't until the seventies that you started getting classes in, um, in college that focused on, you know, black history that focused on Chicano history that focused on woman history, you know, because the way history is taught is through the perspective of like, you know, Eurocentrism or like white men. Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, but I mean, the seventies was pretty recently. It's not that long ago. If you also think about it, I mean, civil war ended in 1865 and then it was like over 100 years when all of a sudden this stuff is being taught more prevalently in in college yeah and 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 that's because the students demanded it yeah you know people wanted their own histories being taught Mm -hmm. it took literal taking over land taking over former prisons to like get things done you know when it came to like racial justice essentially you know it wasn't an easy easy path you know and and you know just saying that we're like the land of the free and then like this shit has to happen in order for everyone to feel free, then it's kind of ridiculous. But on that note, I really loved you guys telling me about Bitterroot Volume 3. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, no, no, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to sit down and enjoy it yeah. and read it and I hope, not feel I, rushed. I hope you get a chance um, to. It, it's a very quick read too. Like I, compared to the other volumes, I, you mm-hmm. know, there was a lot more world building sure. that you had yeah. to do in the other volumes. So this is more, you know, this is more the action. So, yeah, so it moves at a very faster pace. Like I felt okay. like I burned through this uh, volume a lot quicker than I burned through the uh, first two. Sure. This was definitely Avengers Endgame. You know, like <laughs> you know, we get we get the fun battle at the end, you know. So it's pretty good. And uh, I mean, we got to shout out Sanford Green and just the beautiful, beautiful art. All the, I mean, all through the series. And that's the one thing like... Um, it's a bummer that something like Bitterroot takes breaks, but it's also awesome because no, the art is consistent. First of all, you have a consistent art, artist, so it just looks the same. Mm-hmm. And then it's just consistently great throughout. Yes. And also I can watch these, I could skim through these panels of uh, them killing Nazis just over and yes. over and over. Oh, that <laughs> that splash page of them jump, you know, that one little panel on the bottom of them jumping out. And like started to fight at the beginning of the fight. That's just amazing. Um, yeah. Shout out to Sophie Dachson as well. Oh um, yes, the colors. Yeah, she she does the colors. She's always amazing in colors on all the books that she does. And this one is definitely prevalent there. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, but also um, Sophie Bond, um, not Sophie Bond, uh, Shelley Bond. Doc- the oh, the yes. one one of the like you know vertigo editors is the editor of this entire series and you can tell oh, nice. like you can tell like she's always been kind of like a tastemaker like you know mm-hmm. like I think she finds good projects and it's not it's not a coincidence that she's doing the editing on this project you know like mm-hmm. like. Like I, I think she saw gold and she's like, yeah, we're we're doing this. And she helped direct it. So, but you know, I mean, Chuck Brown, I've read a little bit of his stuff. Um, the solo stuff I read on the stump is one of the things I read by him. Liked it. Um, I haven't I haven't really seen a lot of his stuff out there. I'm gotta I gotta look for it, obviously. Um, um the David F. Walker stuff, obviously, we've talked about before in the past. All yeah. great stuff, you know. Like, I, like, I, I love. He's one of my favorite writers. He's a, he's one of the writers. If I see his name, I'm picking it up. And, um, and then 
Sanford Green, obviously, anything Sanford Green, he's up there with my, you know, with my Darwin Cooks and my uh, and my um, Christian Wards and stuff. Like, yeah, like if I see his art, dude, I'm getting it. <laughs> I feel like uh, he's up. I feel like I put him in the echelon of like uh, Francesco Francovia. Yeah, because it's mm-hmm. just it's one of those really iconic artists. You where can, you recognize the work yeah. and then it's just always like, oh, super I'm evocative done. like you yes. know it instantaneously yeah yeah exactly like this is like this is a tim sale work this is this is a sample green work this is oh get well tim sale i don't know what's going on oh yeah it seems bad speaking of <laughs> definitely like speaking of man mm, but thought, i mean you know you don't want to i feel like it's lost its meaning but thoughts and prayers like genuinely anyone you know when yeah. you got someone sick in the hospital that's all you really can afford Positive vibes, you know, yes, like, towards, towards them, whatever, and then whatever, you know, if, if there's something that they ask for, obviously we'll, we'll try to, to do what we can, you know. But. Absolutely. One of the uh, metaphors that this uh, volume hits well, too, is that the uh, those those trees that are growing and it basically they're, they need people that they're, they're eating the people, they're actually feeding mm-hmm. people and those trees are pure hate. Um, hate can't subsist itself on its own like it needs people for it to propagate Mm -hmm, so like if you you're acting out in anger like if you have that rage like if you could figure out through therapy through talking to you know friends family whatever you need to do to Mm -hmm. like not act out in the hate it ends there that's where it stops Mm -hmm. the hate has to consume us to you know to live on basically i like the uh the route that they use to fight the hate grows naturally Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's you know just, and it grows without human you know like need, need essentially. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, and and like the more knowledge that we have, the less hate, effectively. You know, like I think that's where it all stems from. You know, like if you just if you learn about other people besides yourself you learn that they're not much different than you and why hate when everyone's in a shit place and we ought to unite and make the world better for all of us yeah that really no hits the nail on the head man like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i always tell people like they're like oh if someone's like oh i'm really uh like they're like oh you're so nice you know when i'm at work i serve guests and they're like my god you're so good i'm like all we got is each other yeah like if i treat you Mm -hmm. shitty like Exactly. That, that's not good for me. <laughs> yeah. I I personally make it a point to compliment people that I see out like around doing whatever I'm doing. And 99.9% of the time, I mean, it's always sincere. I, I don't insincerely do anything like, you know, but like al- almost all the time I get like the sweetest reaction of like oh my god thank you so much you know that made my day or whatever and it's like all I'm doing is something that's so simple and just the most basic kindness yeah it's just showing somebody like a little bit of kindness throughout the day and the the feeling I get is like so nice I'm like oh yeah I made somebody's day you know and I don't know I just I like doing that because it's it's important to uh, when you when you teach kids, you you learn you have to compliment them a lot if you want them to like pay attention to you. So I get mm-hmm. used to complimenting people because it's like you know that's how you that's how you deal with children. But 
I, I do it for adults and I, I get really good feedback from it. I'm like it's all we can do is yeah. be nice to each other. Like, hot sure. damn, why are we being assholes? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. And, and like, you don't know what that story is. And the best thing you can possibly do is just to be nice or indifferent. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you don't have to like interact <laughs> with anybody, but like also yeah. too, like don't actively be an asshole. I don't know why this, I don't know when we became a lecture podcast, but yeah. we did. So. I... <laughs> oh, um, also shout out to, uh... as the uh, world uh, continues to go into the shitter. That's, I think that's yeah. what it is. This is yeah. just a, a reaction to that. But you know what the world needs, though, is more coffee. And um, there's a, um, at the very end of the book, uh, the last battle takes place in front of the chock full of nuts store. In oh, New York, yay. <laughs> which is like the, uh, you know, the, the New York coffee place. That's funny. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. That was kind of a cool little uh, reference there. So, um, yeah, it, it, you, I don't think you ever see the full sign, but it's obviously the chock full of nuts shop. That's hilarious. So. <laughs> Shout out to coffee, making the world a better place. Always. Caffeine. Final thoughts before we move on? or No, I just thank you for reading it. And thank you for letting me come on the show anyways. And I'm very happy to learn about it. And I highly recommend. um, I personally would say that for anybody who has like maybe a few hours, if you want to kill on like a, a day off or something, I would try to read all the volumes back to back because I think that would make the time jumps mm-hmm. easier to comprehend and the characters yeah. easier to com- yeah. like to understand. Or at least at least maybe like a day apart. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Don't make it like super long, but like yeah. yeah, definitely take the time to read it because I really enjoyed um volumes 1 and 2 and I'm I mean like I audibly clapped for Cullen and mm-hmm. for blink because i love them so much and i want to know more about baby berg Mm -hmm. the little baby of berg and yeah super cute Mm -hmm. i love that i love that that revelation too their relationship is so (laughs) apologies by the way to anyone listening we're trying our best (laughs) to not cough um i'm i'm having allergies today majorly and um but um and unfortunately it's coming out when i'm talking and um i bear with us i do apologize though it's fine fine. it was just that i thought the uh for a moment there like i don't know if you're trying to stifle it but i thought the sound went out and i was just like oh no no struggling (laughs) something mighty over there (laughs) I, i took it out of um our last episode um, and I wasn't able to put it back in, <laughs> or no, it was, it was a couple episodes ago where, um, <laughs> gosh, it was a couple episodes ago where um, we were talking, I think Richard, you were talking, and um, all of a sudden I had this major, major cough that's going to happen, and <laughs> I go to mute but instead of hitting the new button, I hit the stop video button. So, so our, our video goes blank, yeah. and all of a sudden you just hear like that. Yeah, it was a bad cough. And I'm like, oh no. I edited that out, but it was just, oh, it was a good like so five good. minutes of laughter afterwards. It like, happens, man. That I was hilarious. Believe that happened. But yeah. The, uh, but yeah. Um, Bitterroot Volume 3. Very good. And we hope we get more very soon. You know, yeah, no, well, but I, bit of root, definitely essential reading. Yeah. Uh huh. This has got to be something, and I can't wait till it comes out on um, on TV, or yes. is it going to be TV or is it going to be movie? 
I think Netflix. they said a film. Okay, oh, a film. film. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they said it was a movie. Someone big is helming it's, it. It's uh, right? Regina King is Regina uh, yeah! producing it. Awesome. Yay! Nice, 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 nice. Oh, man. I know we talked about that, like, um, during the first volume, but God, time has no meaning. That feels like such a long time ago. So I totally yeah, forgot. No, man. Uh, that. Time does have no meaning. Um, all right. Well, if um, you guys don't have any more time you want to spend on this book, I guess we can go ahead and move on to the end portion. Uh-huh. Okay. So once again, everyone, you're all awesome. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Um, I apologize again for any kind of weird cough that you might have heard through it, but uh, you got through it. Thank you so good much. Job. Gold stars for you. Um, Instagram, Twitter, and good pods where you won't hear me coughing on CDB, <laughs> the CDB cop. Oh my God, CDB pod. <laughs> CDB cop. Let me know what that is. Uh, and also for our book clubbers. Uh, Fridays we do uh, we do announce the next episode's main subject on Instagram so you can follow along uh, if you want to join in on the conversation email us at comics are better at gmail.com um, website is comics are better.wordpress.com where you can request a subject for a future show and Richard where can we find you? where can we find you Richard I am at topcat360 all over social media it's fun um, Steph Curry very good at basketball I don't know mm-hmm. why people be, behave like that wasn't a thing, but uh, yes, yeah, Steph Curry really good at basketball. Warriors on the precipice of uh, beating the crap out of the Celtics, which makes me happy. <laughs> makes me happy too. And Kerry, uh, do you have anything? But any final notes or any uh, nonprofits? Um, I don't. Except maybe if you all are suffering from bad allergies, you should take some medicine. That's not a dig at yeah. Brian. He's just I'm concerned about everyone's health always. Um, oh, and this may seem like a little performative, but but um, if you are shopping, uh, because I love to shop, there's a lot of retailers that are doing um, special, like for the month of Pride, they're doing special like uh, 100%, 50% of whatever, like of the net sales go to whatever. Um, a lot of stores have teamed, teamed up with the Trevor Project. And I know I've talked about the Trevor Project before. It's something very near and dear to my heart. So um, always plugging them. Always, always, always. Um, Trevor Project provides 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, virtual and online and over the phone um, suicide assistance for LGBTQIA plus community members who are at risk. Um, it's very, very important, just not just for the month of June, but for all months throughout the year that very um, a lot of LGBTQIA plus uh, youth are at risk of um, suicide and homelessness and all these things. So the Trevor Project really works on um, helping people find resources talking them off of that proverbial cliff, getting them help. And so um, they are, they have a couple of bases. There's one in LA for sure. And you can always volunteer if you cannot donate money. So um, I just thought that was really important. And again, I will mention awesome. them later. Yeah, nice. they're great. And free training if you want to become a counselor. So, yeah. I mean, you can't, it's like a win, 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 win. So yeah. you help people and 
free training and it goes on a resume. So, you know, all, all sorts of good stuff. Very nice. Again, all we got is each other, man. Yep. Yep. Got to exactly. do it. Well, I am at uh, Brian underscore CB on Instagram. And for Richard and Carrie, we are the Comics Are Better podcast. And thank you for listening. And remember, comics are better and everyone deserves comics. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.